You're listening to The Sizzle on Iron Skillet Radio and Iron Skillet Television. You know who it is. You know what it is. It's The Sizzle in the building, the hottest talk in sports. We are the talk of the 219. You know who's in the building. He's Jay Sizzle. I am G Sizzle. You know what we're about to do. We're about to talk about not only the reaction to game one of the NBA Finals, but a lot of other things, too. But before we can do all of that, you know what you have to do. You have to like, subscribe, and share. Make sure that you hit the button, hit the notification button. Make sure that you're liking this content. Make sure that you're getting this content. Always delivered to you hot and fresh because it comes out every day. It's hot. It's fresh. It's everything you need. It's all that you need right here in the sizzle. That's all you have to do. Right, Jay? It's not like a pizza commercial. It's hot and fresh, only $5. We don't even cost you no money, y'all. Y'all just got to hit the subscribe button. That's it. Yeah. And if you want pizza, we can deliver it to you, too. But you have to subscribe. <laughs> you don't subscribe. You get no pizza. But I tell you what we will give you every time. Hot and fresh. And that is the Sizzles Hot 5 and 5. All right, Jay. Number one on the Hot Sizzles 5 and 5. Yasmani Grandel is out for six to seven weeks, six to eight weeks. Not good. A knee injury, torn ligaments in the left knee. Not good for the Sox. Their main catcher going down could be a problem moving forward, but we'll see. Hopefully, they'll be able to recover and rebound and keep it moving on their winning weight. Number two on the hot five and five, you've got the match that aired, and it's a golfing extravaganza with your man, Aaron Rodgers, and your guy, Tom Brady. But you know what? Not too many people showed up, but you know who did show up? A bear. He came to watch the festivities, <laughs> came to get a little food, came to dine and watch what was going on. Maybe he was a pre-scout. Maybe he was sent there by Ryan Pace just to make sure Aaron Rodgers was really golfing. Number three on the Hot 5 and 5, agent for Nakia. Harry said he wants to be traded from the Patriots. He said after three years and after a rookie season where he was not as successful as he should have been. His client has not been targeted the way he should be, and he feels that a fresh start would help to get Harry's career up and going. I think maybe catching the ball would be able to do it, but we'll see. Yeah. And that leads us into the next thing, and it's your guy, Cam Newton. So, will it be Cam Newton or Mac Jones? Who will start for week one for the Patriots? Tom Brady's not there anymore. And the evil mastermind, he's making a plan, but it doesn't look good for Cam Newton. All right, so let's talk about something serious. Uh, On the Hot 5 and 5 for a second, we're going to talk about suspended sprinter Shakira Richardson. She's been left off the Olympic team roster uh, and released by the USA track and field on Tuesday after she tested positive for marijuana meaning she will not compete at the Tokyo Olympics. So they released a statement that said, first and foremost, we are incredibly sympathetic towards Shikari Richardson and her extenuating circumstances and strongly applaud her accountability. And we will offer her our continued support both in and off the track. This is from the USATF in the statement that was written. They also went on to say, while the USTF Fully agrees that the merit of the World Anti-Doping Agency's rules related to THC should be reevaluated 
it would be detrimental to the integrity of the U.S. Olympic team trials for the track and field if the USATF amended its policies following competition only weeks before the Olympic Games. The USATF has also said that athletes should follow its current anti-doping code, saying its credibility as an organization would be lost if rules were not enforced under all circumstances. And that is your hot five and five. So Jay, before we talk about Buck's sons, are we really at the point where we're thinking, you know, maybe she shouldn't be at the track and field competition because of a little THC or was the punishment just for what she did? Look, it says it in the rule book. You know can get high. You they have all the substances you can't take. Why she thought she could sit up here and chief one up and that it was gonna be all good? Or did she think they weren't gonna test no more? Is that what she thought? She she had to think, I got a I got a month before the games and they're not gonna test for THC. So I'm gonna go ahead and chief up right quick because you know I'm the fastest woman in the world right now. What people don't realize what these athletes don't realize is that the Olympics, the championships, all these games, football, baseball was all going on well before you were here. And these games are all going to be going on well after you're gone and out of the sport. The Olympics are not going to stop because you are not in them. They're just, it's next person up. It's next person up. And, and, the sad part about it is, unless she runs really well again, you know, in, in, after the Olympics and she keeps her world championship form, she'll be forgotten. You know, nobody's going to remember that she didn't make the team unless she sets a couple of world records or does something like that. So the whole thing about it is when you have opportunity like this, you just don't let opportunities slip. You got to be Eminem in, in eight mile right now. You know what I'm saying? Wipe this mom's spaghetti off your shirt. You know, out there and go out here and go get it. And I don't understand the mentality knowing that they're going to be testing for these substances that you can't take. And you're going out here and smoke some weed. I mean, I understand, but see, that again shows what crowding people are you around? Who's advising you? Who are your friends? Anybody who cared about you wouldn't have let you smoke that weed. They would have dragged you out of there. They would have been like, girl, uh, what you doing? Ain't you getting ready to run the Olympics? They should have been dragging you out of there. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's just, you know, it's sad. I, I feel bad for her, but I also feel not so bad because that was just, that made no sense. I, I didn't understand that at all. I thought maybe she had taken, eaten some gummies or something like that or whatever it was and for pain or something and she got something that she just didn't know. But if you're sitting up there and you, you know, you, you up here, Snoop Dogg smoking a, a spleef. Do they still call them spleefs? Is that what they're called now? A blunt? I don't even, I have no idea. But, you know, no, <laughs> you're so still, you're, no. you're still out there chiefing. That's way back, that's 1980s talk when you're chiefing. No. You're out there chiefing, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I, you know, I was like, oh, come on, don't do it. Yeah, it's a hard pill to swallow, but hopefully this is a lesson to future athletes, and maybe they'll change the anti-doping rule, but maybe they won't. You still have to follow the rules.
But unfortunately, a lot of melanated sisters have been hit with these rules and they're rules that are put in place. And as an athlete, well, you should be required to know them to be able to compete. Are, but these are rules for all athletes, whether they're melanated or not. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what, whether, you know, the young lady, what was it, Gwen, I forgot what her last name, Barry, yes. who was, uh, you know, the ILC uh, was saying that, you know, she's, I don't know if she got sanctioned or not, but she couldn't make those demonstrations. You can't make them. Article 50 says you can't make those demonstrations. Whether it's okay for you, in your mind, to make these demonstrations, but the ILC says you can't do it. And then here's the thing about that, and I just want to harp on this right quick. She said in there that she was surprised when they played the national anthem when she was up there. What well, did they play the national anthem for all, all those people who win in in the uh, in, in, in the trials? Don't they don't they don't they play that? So why was she surprised? Did she think that they weren't going to play the national anthem because of her stance against the national anthem? Come on, no. I mean, you know, you're you're a fantastic athlete, but you're a hammer thrower. You know, it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I'm, I'm going off the beaten path, but let me get over here for a second. Did Aaron Rodgers really think that he was going to force his way out of Green Bay? No, Green Bay is like, uh, either you play for us or you don't play at all. How about that? You know what I'm saying? And so at some point in time, you just become a player. And you use your leverage, but sometimes your, your leverage isn't big enough to move the stone that you're trying to move. And after a while, you can get crushed by that stone if it rolls back on top of you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so the whole thing about it is you can't overplay your hand. You might you might have a full house, but that guy might be sitting with four aces. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And it's one of the oh. things I mentioned, again, when we say some of the melanated women who have been in it, I don't think that they were conscious of the rules. And to Gwen Berry's point, I, I, I don't even understand where your advisement came from that allowed you to think that this is still okay the way that you went about doing it because there are multiple ways of doing it. But one thing that coaches and, and in the community, we have to make a better push to tell our athletes, to tell those who are competing, there are rules and you must follow them. And when you violate those rules, when those rules you go astray and go on your own path, there are consequences to those actions. And in fact, it could get you burned. It can get you burned really bad. Yeah. But you know who really yeah, got burned because, bad? No, go ahead, Jay. Who that? No, I was going to say, you're here for a short period of time in this sport. Mm -hmm. Whatever this sport is, you're in for a short period of time. Even if it's 20 years, you're in for a short period of time. The sport's mm -hmm. going to go on without you. It's going to go on without you. You know what I'm saying? And, and they don't mind going, okay, well, you're not in next, next person up. And then you become irrelevant at that point. You know, look how many great ball players out here was great and fantastic. And all of a sudden they retired or they just went into the ether and they couldn't handle not being important anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody nobody's coming to get their autographs anymore. Now they got to sit up here and, and they're selling their autograph for $150 an autograph. Well, before, you know, before they were walking anywhere and they were stakes for free. Now it's just like, you know, hey, you know, come over here. You know, we got we got the double, we got we got the double whopper. Joe Smith from the 1972 Yankees are, you know, are uh, is going to come over here and, and, and sign your paper cup, you know, for fifty dollars. I mean, you know, what I'm saying that's just what it, it passes you by. You know, what I'm saying that's why you got to you got to 
you got to strike while the iron's hot. And that's why I really just with with Shakari, um, just like, you know, that was a two, three, four million dollar bong hit mm-hmm. she took right. That's probably about how much money she blew right there, um, smoking the weeds. Yeah, she did. Don't make no sense. Yep. She burned up uh her money and somebody else got burned up, and but that they were burned up on the On the court, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns entered into game one of the NBA Finals. It was a rump-roaring... No, it wasn't even Mm -mm. rump-roaring. I can't say rump-roaring. It is an amazing game that for the first time there was no super team and there was no LeBron James, no Golden State Warriors, no super team, no Kevin Durant and his little merry men of flunkies. It was just basketball on basketball. It was the return of Giannis Antetokounmpo to get copoed. He got copoed and coupooed. And it was the disaster in the sun. (laughs) I like that. Disaster in the sun. I probably should have named it that. The disaster in the sun. But it was more of a burning down. It was a burning down of old traditions. It was a burning down of what you thought you had. And it was the first time that you saw a CP3 actually do what he came in this league to do and that was win a championship and he is on step one of it jay were you impressed with the margin of victory of the phoenix suns over the milwaukee bucks surprised about the margin of victory not so much surprised about the victory in and of itself you knew the big three of milwaukee had to get going all at the same time he had a hobbled up Giannis. You had a, a Middleton and a Drew Holiday at all. Everybody had to get going at the same time. You saw that wasn't the case. But I was really surprised at the youngsters um, playing as well as they did. You know, you had Aiton with 19 rebounds. You had uh, Bridges playing fantastic. So the young guys were playing super well. And then you saw the Suns going 24-25 for the free throw line. I mean, they had every, and I will tell you what, this pick and roll of the Suns with CP3, the super coach, he has figured out, I don't think anybody runs the pick and roll better than the Suns. The Suns are just nasty with the pick and roll. And if they send Bobby Portis out there one more time to I guard was gonna Chris mention Paul, it later, yo, man. Can somebody, <laughs> somebody help BP for real, seriously? Like, nobody saw that. Like, he was killing him in the third and the fourth. Dude, I love BP. You know I love BP. I do. I love Bobby Portis, but it's somebody, somebody out there. Help him. No rotation? No, nothing. No help defense? Nothing. All you saw, you saw, you saw, you you saw the, 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 the pick, and obviously you saw Bobby Portis switch, and then obviously you saw all the Suns drop to the baseline. And it was just him and Chris Paul. And it was like, hey, how you doing? I'm Chris Paul. Did you want to come have this dance with me? And Bobby Porter said, why, sure. And break down, hesitation, break down. He broke him down so bad. He left him at the three-point line when he came down, when he came down and turned around and looked at him. Like, are you still back there? Are you not coming? We we come, we over here. It was just like, come on, somebody please help Bobby Porter's out. Yeah. You know, and then, and, and, you know, and Mr. Lopez, they were just, I don't even know how he could see anymore. They were dying him in his eyes so bad. You know, and Chris Paul, Devin Booker at least had to do some athletic stuff to get, you know, he he's 
hopping, falling down, you know, kissing it off the glass. Chris Paul is just doing the one-two step, looking, <laughs> looking like him and uh, what's his name? <laughs> what, what's his name? White, the one-two step. <laughs> looking like he's been seared. That's the new. Yeah. You know what? For this series, that's what we're gonna call it. He's been seared. He got he the one-two step. It was he terrible. just hits him with the one-two step and just hops over to the right and shoots that little elbow jumper, that little fifteen-footer, sixteen-footer, and he just dotted his eye and just dotted his eye. He, he had. I think he was over in the first quarter. He ends up with like what thirty-two or something mm -hmm. crazy like that. Right. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what, if anything, that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be able to. And here's here's, here's another thing too about this. What's that? You saw um, Giannis looking unstoppable down on the block. Why didn't they just keep throwing the ball out there to him? Why didn't they just keep isolating him up over there and just keep against Crowder and just let him go to work against Crowder all night long? Because Crowder really couldn't stop him. Mm -hmm. I mean, Crowder got in front of him a couple of times, but that was it, though. Giannis was just putting the, putting the shoulder to him and putting it to him. You know, but they stopped doing it. And I don't know if it was just good defense. They stopped. They weren't allowing that, that entry pass. But I don't know how they're gonna fix. I don't know how they're gonna fix this. I really don't know how they're gonna fix this, unless you know, because there is uh, no. Uh, uh, what was his name? Um, oh, last series he was out there. Who was out there beating up Devin Booker? Uh, oh, Patrick Beverly. Yeah, there is no. Yeah, there's no. There's no Patrick Beverly sitting over there. Uh, it might be Tucker, but he's too big. He can't keep up with with Booker. No, Tucker you can't keep up with Booker. Yeah, you, he can you hit him, but he can't keep up. Yeah, you can't keep up with Bucket. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, no, I don't know. This, is, I, I mean, I, I, I hope, I hope the Bucks can figure something out because this might, this, ooh, this don't look good. You know, that's a good question. Really quickly, when we talk about the adjustments that are made in series and how things uh, will move and how fluid it becomes with PJ Tucker, with some of the things that the Bucks do, are they going to be effective against the Suns? where even if they go to a small ball and they pull Aiden out and they start making some other moves, can players like Brooke Lopez, P.J. Tucker, Bobby Portis, can they be minimized in their effectiveness on the court if you don't go to a small ball situation where you put Giannis at the five? Can the Suns actually work around them, actually use their strength as a defense from Milwaukee as a weakness to attack them moving forward? Well, your biggest problem is that you got two teams on both extremes. You've got the Bucks who's given up the, the most long twos in the league, and you have the Suns who've taken the most long twos in the league. Mm -hmm. That's a recipe for disaster. You got these guys who have a mid-range game, who have a long mid-range game, who don't mind shooting the 18, 19, and 20-footer on you. They'll shoot that on you all night long, and you give it up because you drop. You're sitting so far back into the paint because you're guarding against bigs down there. Look, let Aiden beat you if that's the case. Get out on top of the three-point line and chase Chris Paul and them off that three-point line and at least make them have to penetrate and drop it down there. Make Aiden get 41. I mean, he got 22 tonight. Make him make him get 41 and beat you because you're going to have to give up. I'd rather have somebody like him torch you or at least – who haven't torched you before, then having somebody like Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they scored 59 points between them. 59! 
It was just, it was just on. It was on and cracking. And then they missed a lot of long balls. It was just on and cracking. And there was nothing the Bucs could do about it. That's the whole issue. But I didn't see one time that you saw the Bucs go, okay, you know what? That's enough of that. The only time you saw somebody doing something a little dirty is when, when uh, I forgot what his name was, stuck his foot up underneath, uh, was it Brooklyn Lions? Mm-hmm. Stuck his foot up underneath Chris Paul when he, when he took a jump shot. That was the only time that you really saw somebody trying to dirt the muck the game up a little bit. You know, you're going to have to get dirty with these guys. You're going to have to knock Chris Paul down. You already see both hands are hurt. You're going to have to start beating somebody up, knocking them up into the stands. You're going to have to do something. You're going to get dirty. You're going to have to get physical because you cannot let Chris Paul and Devin Booker operate in space like this and think you're going to win these ball games because that's not going to happen. And then you got the kid Johnson coming off the bench. He's one of the best um, long ball shooters that were in the draft. All of a sudden, this guy's coming out and he's letting it fly. You know, so what are you going to do with it? They got outside shooting. I mean, it's it, the Phoenix Suns are just uh, – I didn't think they were going to look this good against Milwaukee because I think Milwaukee's trying to play a finesse game that they're not designed to play, and they're going to have to really go out and go get the baseball bats and start swinging. Okay, so that opens up the door for a question I had for you earlier, and that is we see Cam Johnson and what he's able to do as a second-year player. A much heralded player, a lauded player coming out of uh, North Carolina. But year two, an adjustment, being able to come out, really put in work. So, Jay, let me ask you a Bulls question. Can Patrick Williams have the same effect for the Chicago Bulls in year two, make that jump, make that step, and be as effective as Cam Johnson has been during this Western Conference run? So, um, I don't know if Bobby Porter really wants to come back and play for the Bulls right now. He's playing so well. He's actually starting. And then you have uh, Campaign, who looks really good. I don't know if he wants to come back and play. He will look good in a Bulls uniform. I really think, but I know you just, did you say Patrick Williams? Yes. The number four overall pick? Mm-hmm. He was number four overall. Okay. I was having a good night. I really was. Okay. Here's the thing. If you're going to be the number four pick, you've got to be effective. What is he good at? Now, since you'd have brought it up, what thing does Patrick Williams excel in? I'll wait. Well, he does have the most flavorfully colored shoes in the league. Oh, don't put the leprechauns on. Don't do it. This is the issue. There is nothing that he does exceptionally well. And then he doesn't do the things that he does good enough to make a difference. So what was the point of picking him? Even the fourth pick. Yeah, your whole, I I get it. Even the fourth pick this coming up, this draft, you got some, there's a better player from Florida State coming out this year. Absolutely. When you take a guy who couldn't start for his own team in college, how do you pick him number four overall? That goes to show you that he has no dog in him. Look, Devin Booker gets his nose broken a couple of places, and he comes back out there. And I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about Devin Booker last series. The mask was bothering him. He took took the mask off when his nose broke. Right. 
that tells you what kind of a dog he is. And he kept attacking, right? Is Patrick you Williams can obviously attacking? see something was wrong with him last series. I right, think if you had a good Devin Booker last series, I think that Clippers thing would have been over maybe in four or five. Right. Well, I mean, and, 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 they, and look, they, look, the Suns have been getting the luck of the injury. Mm-hmm. All the, I mean, you, you got Kawhi Leonard went down. The the, the uh, now you have Giannis gimped up. Yeah, you had Davis go down. You have it's yeah. a lot of things that they were beneficiaries. And and you're right, even with a uh, maybe eighty percent, seventy five percent Giannis, because all it's going to do is take somebody to kind of slide up under him, or slap that knee, run past him, and touch that knee up. Yeah, all that tough talk Giannis stuff is gonna go out the window, boo boo. Well, like, well, he was already he was already gimped up. You saw him being gimped up today. Hey, hey, that's mm-hmm. just warrior warrior Giannis. I mean, I'll take Giannis in a street fight with me because Gian- oh, Giannis yeah. is gonna keep coming. You know, yeah, he's a tough guy. Giannis is gonna keep coming. The issue is that you have and, and, and Chris Paul too. Chris Paul gets dinged up. I mean, he he's turning fingers and ankles and everything else, and he keeps balling. So, I mean, that, that's the nature of the beast. Everybody's playing with something right now. The issue is, is that the Suns have been able to revert back to what they do best. Mm. And they play this pick and roll best. And you saw a Chris Paul who's got Mr. Aiton playing at a high level. They said Chris Paul, he and they were almost fighting when Chris Paul got there because he was all on his behind about how he needed to play. And they finally started listening to Chris Ball. You saw these guys develop. Mm-hmm. And so now the question is going to be later on, can this Suns team, we're not crowning them champions yet. You still got to get through Giannis. It's, I, don't, I don't think game two is going to go like this. I think there's going to be some fighting out there in game two. I think you're going to see Drew Holiday really get up into Devin Booker and try to deny him the basketball. And you're going to see uh, Chris Ball. It's going to be some Patrick Connington. Somebody's going to come out there. And they're gonna start trying to hit him with the forearm shiver, and you go. They're gonna muck this game up a little bit and, and see if they can keep it close down in the fourth quarter. But you got to ask: is, is it Chris Paul? Is, is this a team for the Suns? You can say, hey, down the future here, these guys are made to win again. You know, um, because who really saw the Suns coming like this midway through the year? You, you saw them picking up pace, but you didn't see them playing like this. You know, here's a bigger question and I think it's more systemic when it comes to us and it's really problematic in thinking about the long term of this with Billy Donovan Billy Donovan had some of the greatest players currently in the NBA he had them all on one team and he was able to run out there with them but Billy Donovan's best coaching was the year that they were all gone and you had Chris Paul so was it Chris Paul that was actually doing all the work for Billy Donovan? And maybe Billy Donovan isn't as good as an X and O person as he's thought to be. Or is Chris Paul that amazing and that superlative as a point guard that the Bulls could never get another Chris Paul? Because I don't see another Chris Paul in the league right now. I see some young guys, but I don't see a Chris Paul And so in that question, when you put those two things together, along with what you said, are the Suns designed to make a long run? I don't know. 
It looks, you would think maybe so, but without Chris Paul, they're vulnerable. And there's still some question marks there. Some young players would have to make some big steps. But when you look at a team like the Bulls, when there is no Chris Paul available and you don't have that type of player on the board, I don't think there's any way that the Bulls get any better without having a superstar point guard to help direct what's going on. And if you don't, then you'll never get... Right now, I see a Zach Levine that looks like he's a lesser version of Devin Booker. And I don't see anything else. So if you don't have that well, kind of team, I mean, you can't beat the Bucks. You're not at least the Suns. Then what are you? Well, look, what's that show, Chopped? I don't care how and you make dinner, you might be able to make it taste sort of good, but it's not going to be great. You gotta have the right ingredients. All these coaches, I don't care who you are. Who was Phil Jackson before he came to the he came to the uh, came to the Chicago Bulls? Who was Phil Jackson? He and he lucked in and he went into and and got with Kobe and 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 had Shaq and everybody else there, you know. So now he's considered one of the greatest coaches of all time. But he coached three or four of the greatest players of all time. You know what I'm saying? So you have to have the players. The Bulls just don't have the horses. We and they don't know when they have the horse. You saw Bobby Portis was starting. Mm -hmm. Campaign is playing real minutes. These are all guys who played for the Chicago Bulls and were let go. And we don't understand why they were let go. Especially Bobby Portis. I still don't understand that because he whacked somebody in the eye, so what? Mm -hmm. You know, at least he'll go out there and fight. And so, you forgot, even with Atlanta, you had Tony Snell sitting on the team. Absolutely right. Chris absolutely Dunn right. sitting on the team, former Bull. Absolutely right. And they, I think they said today Bobby Portis was one of the top three-point shooters. He didn't shoot high volume. One of the top three-point shooters in the in the league this year. Mm -hmm. So the issue is, is that when you don't know how to use these players, they don't get your system. You know, it's, it's just like a, a, a certain Bears coach way back in the day when he let um, – who's the tight end from Miami? He was there right now. Uh, Greg Olson. When he let Greg – when Fox let Greg Olson go because he didn't fit his system. Mm -hmm. you, you can't figure out how to get Greg Olson to work in your system? You know what I'm saying? Change your system then because you got one of the better tight ends in the league. One of the, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nightmare, matchup nightmare. And it almost so, took you ten years to replace him. Absolutely right, and 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 the and the tight ends have been terrible up to this point. I mean, we finally started to get some decent tight ends in Chicago. So the issue is, is that it all depends on what type of players you have, and can a coach be flexible enough to make those players fit into a system and not necessarily his own system, right? Right. You know. Sometimes you got sometimes you got to go back deep into the playbook or somebody else's playbook and figure out how to fit these players in, mm -hmm. you know. So it, it's going to be interesting. You know, going back to the original question with uh, uh, Patrick Williams, I don't think Patrick Williams is any form of an answer for you as a Chicago Bull. I hope he. I eat my words, my hat, crow. Egg on my face, whatever it is, I'm I'm hoping all that because I want to see the Bulls be a successful franchise. I just think that was a wasted pick from the time when they picked it. I had to pull over 
to decide to roll and Google this dude to see who he was. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, it's just a, 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 a situation where you got to have players. You need guys like Chris Paul. Uh, you need veterans on your team who are able to get these young guys in line, basically, and get them working hard because that's what it takes. You know, it's just like LeBron in the bubble. You know, he had all those guys locked in when nobody out there acted up, when nobody in there trying to get strippers in, when nobody going out for Kentucky Fried Chicken runs, all that type of stuff during the COVID championship. It's the same thing here. You got to get these guys bought in to the system, bought into what you want to. Look, I knew how bought in the Suns were when I saw in this last series when Chris Paul had the COVID and you saw Devin Booker pulling out a cell phone out of his bag on the court right after the game and calling Chris Paul. Before he called his wife, his girlfriend, before he even got off the court, he was calling Chris Paul and FaceTiming Chris Paul. That's how important Chris Paul is to this Phoenix Sun team. And if you don't get a guy like that, I think it's really difficult to win in any major sport and franchise. I don't see I don't see a, a boatload of young guys with no leader going out and winning. That's basically what you have with the Bulls. A boatload of young guys out there who don't know how to win. And uh, you know, they let all they let all their 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 big guys go. Especially the worst the worst thing they ever did was let Jimmy Butler go. Right. Worst thing they ever did. Well, yeah, we'll say nothing. it this way, and we'll end it like this. We'll say the only person that acted up in the bubble was probably Rachel Nichols. You know who it is. You know what it is. It's the sizzle. And we're the hottest talk. We're the only talk in the 219. We are the hottest sports talk ever. You know what we've come to do. And make sure that you like, subscribe, and you share this information with someone who knows Rachel Nichols and tell her to quit acting the fool. Quit. T- tell her to stop doing that. Quit, quit being sure. like that. Man, make sure you turn your camera off. Yeah. Unless you wanted everybody to really see it. I yeah, I just yeah. I, and that, that's the other side about that too. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a conspiracy theory, but it's like, uh, you really didn't You okay. really didn't know you were recording yourself. Because yeah. the funny thing about the conversation was she really didn't say anything really bad about Maria Taylor. Mm-mm. And we've all had conversation between friends that were off the record that ooh, if that was on the record, that wasn't gonna be nice. The bigger question is, though, LeBron's PR person, he made some comments, too. We didn't talk about his comments. He was tired of the whole Black Lives Matter thing himself. Of course they are. Of course they are. Of course they are. I've told people before, I said, you're not like you're tolerated. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they can figure out a way to keep getting paid. That's what they're going to figure out. There's a whole lot of those people who do not, who are like, okay, they want to go, this is, go back to the status quo. We're tired of this. I can't go down to the magma to go get my latte. None of those people cared until the people were kicking in the glass in the Starbucks down on the magma and all of a sudden they were walking their schnauzer or whatever they were walking. All of a sudden they couldn't go down there and get their double latte with extra frap. Because the glass got kicked out, it got looted. Now that's what it's a problem. Now that's what Black Lives Matter did. Because why? Because it's causing them some problems. They really didn't care. I mean, there was a lot. I've talked to people before, even in the George. I know this is way off the track, 
but about the George Floyd um, situation, people who are non-melanated, and most of them had not even watched the video at all and really didn't know too much about the situation at all. They really didn't understand what the whole, I said, well, had you, did you watch the video? There's almost nine minutes of that video. No, I didn't watch the video. Well, if you watch the video, you see why people were upset, but it didn't really matter to them because it didn't affect them directly. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't happening in their neighborhood. That's why they don't care. Until something happens in their neighborhood, that's when they're going to care. You know, that's when they're going to care. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, and you see it all through. You see it all through how it was minimalized. Your Black Lives Matter movement was minimalized on a lot of radio talk shows that were not um, punctuated with black people on them. Mm -hmm. You saw there's a number of shows up and down the dial, especially in the Chicagoland area. They were mentioning it a little bit and then it was a sidebar and they threw it off and now they were talking about whatever they wanted to talk about. They, they mentioned it because they had to, because it was in their show prep. But that, but, but because somebody, hey, you know what, we need to mention the Black Lives Matter thing. Oh, okay, well, we'll mention it. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really care about it. And you would think as human beings, you would care about another human being. But when it's flipped around to the other side, they want you to be sympathetic towards situations that affect them. You know? So, yeah, so I'm not surprised that behind closed doors that he was making these comments concerning the Black Lives Matter movement and the Me Too movement because they really don't want to hear it. It, they, they're waiting for this to go away. You know, it, it, it will just go away. We can get back to our status quo because, and because think about it, with the Black Lives Movement that's going on right now, all right? It's a great movement. It is because it's brought great awareness about it. But are we going to see any significant changes in the neighborhoods? You know, we still see murders and shootings going on in Chicago at record levels. You still see... Uh, uh, the schools in these neighborhoods still are subpar, mm -hmm. are subpar. And you can't tell me there's not a major corporation out here or somebody like that who couldn't donate enough books or who couldn't donate enough money to make sure that all the, you know, all these schools had books or making sure that, they, you know, that there was not a foundation out there that could uh, make sure that the upkeep of the schools are, you can't tell me that there's not them, but they don't care because it's not, it doesn't affect them directly. I was just talking, I mean, I'm on a tangent. I'm going to stay on this tangent for about two more seconds now. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a gentleman who was non-melanated and who was saying they can't find black kids to get into the trades, right? Oh, we tried to hire black people to get them into the trades. We couldn't get them in trades. I said, really? I said, well, did you ever go down into the black neighborhoods and and set up down there more than one and had more than one job fair mm -hmm. for one for two hours on a mm -hmm. Saturday. Have you been down there? Will you open up a training hall, a Teamsters training hall mm -hmm. in Inglewood that mm -hmm. have been open that would have brought people in? You could have started training them in Inglewood. Mm -hmm. Did you do that? Oh no, we didn't do anything like that. Then you weren't really trying to get black people into the trades. You just wanted to say that you were trying to get black people into the trades so that you could say, look, we, we try to diversify, you know? It's, if you're not a, bringing in the church, if you're not bringing community leaders, to your point specifically, if you're not setting up 
in these communities where you are looking for these melanated kids, be they Black, Hispanic, be they whatever they are, be they Oriental, be they Chinese, Japanese, it doesn't matter. If you are not actively working to get these children involved in these trades, then again, you are part of the problem, Absolutely. not a part of the solution. Absolutely. And so you don't get a chance to just have the feel good saying you did a Saturday down there for three hours and you tried to get, oh, we couldn't get anybody signed up. Oh, you know, we were trying to get some black guys to come work over here. We can't get anybody. Really? Are you serious? So you mean to tell me that they're just not intelligent enough to learn how to be a pipe fitter? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's these type of things. But like, again, I'm not surprised. And here's the thing that about it, right? Has LeBron James come out and said anything about the person who is advising him about what he said about the Black Lives Matter movement? Because he basically said, you know, this is the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, with that and the Me Too movement, I just ain't got nothing else to give. I'm just, you know, so tired of having to deal with this. Mm -hmm. That's basically what he said. And, and you are advising one of the top African-American athletes ever. But he can argue with a, a <laughs> he can argue with a commentator at his son's basketball game. And why, and why are you doing that, Brian Brian? Why are you doing that? You just, Brian, you, you don't want it to be about you, but then you're on the court with him you're micromanaging, you're there, at, you're walking across. Now, had any other parent done that, they would have been escorted out of the Absolutely. Game. Absolutely. 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 And you see him literally standing on the court, shooting shots out there in between, you know, while the game's gone at the other end of the court. Nobody else could do that. But then if you look at Del Curry, right, when Stefan was coming up, they were sitting in the stands. Mm-hmm. They're sitting in the stands like everybody else, you know? And so it's like, Did why? Did you ever see Michael Jordan in any of his son's games? No. So, I, I mean, my whole thing about it, and then, you know, what are you teaching? What are you teaching? What are you teaching the young fella? Mm -hmm. You know, that if stuff goes against me, that my dad's going to come through for me because of who he is? Don't you think he just he needs to learn to take a little adversity on and things don't go right for himself, that he needs to deal with that? You know what I'm saying? It's just, I don't know. I mean, so that this is my whole thing with that right now. It's like, okay. It's just frustrating. It's yes. just absolutely it's just absolutely frustrating yes. because you're yes. missing the entire point. You know what I'm saying? You're missing the point. I mean, you got this facade that you're showing on one side, but behind the scenes, your guy is talking about man. I'm really tired of this Black Lives Matter movie. I couldn't tell you. So you're tired of seeing people protest about other people, black people being getting killed in the streets. You're 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 tired about black people talking about they've been marginalized over this period of time. Mo, you're tired about hearing about there were 200 years of slave ships that have been brought over um, to this country from the 1400s into the well into the 1600s, or from the 1500s into the 1700s. There were 200 years of slave ships brought here. But you're tired of hearing that, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, but you, but 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 you're getting a paycheck from LeBron James. 
Yes. And Mr. Mendelssohn, really so you it. understand. Let me come a little bit closer. As tired as you are about hearing it, we as a people are tired of it being an issue. You're telling me nothing Absolutely. can change. It can't just, it can't change because people don't want it to change. To your right. point, Jay, they don't want it to change. So we're still stuck in the same paradigm. And then even with a LeBron James and with other athletes, until you understand that if you don't push the issue, just like you push it with your son on a court, you have to push it with your other children, those who follow behind you, the seeds behind you, when they come right. up in communities, when they come up in school, when they come up against a legal system that's set for them to fail, you have to set that agenda also. And, here, and here's the whole thing. And Rachel Nichols said it best. She said that ESPN is run by a bunch of conservatives who <laughs> don't, are not really concerned about what's going on in the black community. Hmm. You know, basically, that's what she said. A bunch of Trump support. That's basically what she said, right? So just giving out a few jobs, some anchor jobs and some commentary jobs. Some tokenage. To, Mm -hmm. to 15, 20 black people. Look how much money, if they can pay any of these guys five or six million dollars a year, like we talk about Maria Taylor turning down five million dollars a year. If they could offer her five million dollars a year, how much is ESPN really making off mm -hmm. of them? Mm -hmm. It's just like the NBA ownership. You have a mostly 90%, I would say probably 90%, probably more than that of black people playing in the NBA, but what is the ownership of the NBA? Less mm -hmm. than 0.01% or something like that? I mean, out of the 32 teams, you got Michael Jordan, and you got um, you got uh, part of the, was it the Nets or the Knicks? I, mean, I don't even know if Jay-Z is still part of that, but I know he had a very small part of that. I, it but, it I mean, was less than that, a percent, wasn't it? I, I think. Yeah, something like that. Usher had more, Usher had something like 3% out of the Hawks. Right. So now you're looking at, so so you look at this, so you're looking at all these people who own these teams. Who's making all the money? Are the players making the money? Or is the people who pay the players making the money? Always. It's the Always. people who pay the players making the money. Yeah, these are billionaires paying millionaires. Mm -hmm. And my God, if we're talking about the NBA, Let's talk about the NFL where it's 0% ownership, where right. nobody melanated except if you want to take the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, nobody of color is making any money in the upper management and ownership. And so the thing about it is, is though, are those teams going back and putting money back into the South side of Chicago? Are the Bears putting money into the, into the South side of Chicago? Are they putting money into, into these areas where these, these, they need to put money into? Are the Bulls put the Bulls live, their home base is right there on Adams and Madison, basically. Right there, right? Look at the surrounding areas. Look at Pilsen. Look at the surrounding areas around there. Look at the near west side, right? Are we, are, are, are we making sure those schools around there? Um, I have 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 books, and I'm not saying they have to. There's All Bulls saying, Academy. Uh, we'll, right. we'll go with Bulls Academy. Right, but what I'm saying to you, that's fine. But to get how much money did they put in for that? Right. Just because okay, I'm, 
pennies on put, the dollar. Because I put a school together. I know, get me wrong, it's a great thing to do. But, but look at all these other kids out here who could be affected, who could just by giving them books, mm -hmm. everybody getting books this year. Everybody, you know, we, we're going to sustain that. Everybody's going to get books and we're going to take care of that for the next 10 years. That everybody's going to get books and we're going to bring these schools up because it's going to take the private sector mm -hmm. to fix this because the state, the state of Illinois, the state of Indiana, they don't care about these marginalized youth in these areas because it happens in every part of the country mm -hmm. that where, where there's where there's melanated people there black people there you look at those substandard public schools in those areas unless you have a mixture of schools like in high park in, mm -hmm. in the chicagoland area if you watch this from somewhere else so i know we went off on another tangent but reason but going back to the original thing not surprised in hearing a conversation that wasn't supposed to be made public by a person who is advising one of the greatest NBA players of all time. And wasn't LeBron James out there foremost and in front about the Black Lives Movement? Wasn't he out there during the time of the, uh, of the COVID bubble that everybody was wearing their, their shirts and they weren't going to play because of the George Floyd incident and all these type of things, and you have a person advising you who's tired of the Black Lives Matter movement, and you still haven't you haven't fired that guy yet. Okay, Was that I didn't mean to rant, but okay. You know what? We'll you know leave what it saying? there. No, we're gonna leave it there because that's the best. That's the best place to leave. That's the best place to leave it. You know who it is, and you know what it is. It's the sizzle. He's J Sizzle. I'm G Sizzle. We are the sizzle, and we will see you on the other side. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Iron Skillet Sports. And remember to like, share, and subscribe to Iron Skillet Sports on YouTube at Iron Skillet Sports.